The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bite. From the Crosley Studios in Race City, USA, here's your host, Kyle Armstrong. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bike Podcast. This is episode number 44. We're here in the Speed Sport Studios presented by Crosley Radio in beautiful Race City, USA, Morrisville, North Carolina. I'm Kyle Armstrong, and I've got uh, Adam Logan here with me to do another edition of this. And, you know, we're making a habit of this. And uh, we just, we just, uh, we're going to have Hot Rod Lamance on the show tonight. And we just wrapped up with him, to be honest with you. And you are going to want to stay tuned and hear every word he has to say, because it was, it was epic, to say the least. It's going to be a good one. Y'all need to stick tuned for this one. (laughs) It's going to be, it might be, it may be one of the best ones we've ever had. And then when we hung up the phone with him, he, he went even. He went another thirty minutes. He, went on, he just kept on talking. There was some good stuff that didn't make the podcast. So, uh, Hot Rod Lamance, we appreciate you being on here, and it, it's it's going to be a good one. So anyway, this uh, had some dirt racing this weekend. You know, Gaffney and yep. Cherokee Speedway had the Rock Galt Memorial Friday and Saturday night. Downtown Michael Brown picked up that win Friday night. That was a big deal for him to win his first World of Outlaw case. That was a that was a good race. I, I went down there Friday night, and it, he um he, he definitely was the uh, class of the field down there. Um, um, what's his name? Uh, Ryan, Ryan Gustin threw everything he had at him. He uh he definitely had the one and two. You could hustle the high side, and, and Gustin was using everything he could, but he just, he just couldn't get around uh, uh Michael Brown there. And so that was that was good for Michael to get um a big win like that. At, at, at Cherokee, so Pageland, South Carolina's the pride of Pageland, South Carolina. You know they, they they grow a lot of watermelons down there in Pageland and sell a lot of watermelons, and a lot of big deal was made about Ross Chastain there winning that Cup race yesterday, the watermelon guy. But I think Pageland's really the watermelon capital. Michael but anyway, Michael got the first watermelon got the, win in the, of the week. <laughs> he did. He got the first one. And well, then of course, uh, you know. Chris Madden was kind of a big story there. He's going to drop off, sort of dropped off yep. the woo deal with, uh, you know, leading the points and, and perfect storm too, because <laughs> the world of outlaws were coming to his backyard. He basically lives in Gaffney, South Carolina. And, uh, and he decided to go to Bristol. Well, it paid off. It paid off. Way. He, he $50,000. Wore him out. Yeah. We had, we had it on. I went, so I was at Gaffney on Friday night and, uh, I was in, uh, Boone Briggs' trailer, and so he had an iPad in there watching the the Bristol Dirt Nationals while while the races were going on, and it, that that race finished up right before the feature started, and it was uh, like I said, he checked out, and there was, there was nobody catching him that night. Yeah, he did, and and uh, yeah, not much more to talk about than that, other than it was just a dominating eh, performance, an ass whooping, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, he was he was good, real good. And then the then the, the next night there, Cherokee Speedway, uh, Max Blair picked up the win yep. that was like maybe his third or fourth win he hadn't won one in a long time that was good he, being good for, a rookie year on the outlaw uh schedule you know that you know a lot of, a lot of rookies struggle but he's been pretty pretty consistent, pretty consistent. through um through speed weeks and then for a guy who grew up in pennsylvania went in a bunch of races up there to come to the come to cherokee and and win that's that's pretty big you know a lot of people that's a tough place to get a hold of and in a rookie year like that to come out there with twenty thousand dollars, that's uh pretty impressive. 
And congratulations also to Ross Bells for winning that yep. Dryden Extreme Dirt Car Series yes. championship yes. title that weekend. $15,000 it paid. So he almost, Ross was almost on a, on the cusp of winning thirty six thousand dollars that night. I think he, if he won the race, it'd been twenty, and then winning the championship was fifteen. Then for some reason they were throwing a thousand dollar bonus in there for some reason, and he was uh, he was pressuring um, Max there at the end, but just couldn't just couldn't make anything happen there. But ended up running second, so he had a he had a very good weekend. And then another guy that had a very good weekend was Mount Holly, North Carolina's Chris Ferguson. A huge shout out to Chris Ferguson, and uh, it was. Finally got him one. Congratulations on him winning his biggest career win ever there at Bristol. Had all, a lot of his family and friends and supporters there in Victory Lane. Uh, yep. I didn't go to either one of those two tracks this weekend, but my plan is this weekend to go up to Bristol, and yep. you're going to. Yep, going so. to Bristol this weekend. Uh, go check that deal out. I'm so. excited to see who uh, – and I haven't seen the points after that second race I got, yet. I got it pulled up. I, had but, it. Um, I think uh, JD is, is <clears throat> leading them right now. I'm going to be interested to see how those points shake out, and that's a big reason why I want to go up there next weekend because somebody's going to walk out of that place with over $100,000 guaranteed. See if I can find it with here. that points fund, you know, paying a hundred thousand to win. The race is fifty thousand to win, so it's uh, a lot of big money on the line. Oh yeah! Hopefully, Just, there's a big crowd up there next weekend for sure. I know it was probably a little cold in those aluminum seats this past weekend. Oh yeah, it was cold everywhere. <laughs> it was cold. I was. You went to Hickory. I went to Hickory on Saturday night. And it was um, cold, cold weather, but uh, action was hot on the racetrack. It was actually some good racing up there at Hickory for the Cars Tour. Um, saturday night so so yeah i can't find it dang it <laughs> it got it got down in the 30s there i stayed and uh i went to the gncc race this weekend in union south carolina and uh me and my dad went we stayed in the in our in my camper down there and yeah, it got a little cold there that night had to had to find some more blankets throughout the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> had to turn the heater on. Yeah, had to go had to go find where to turn the heat up a little bit too. So yeah, hopefully this is the last cold weekend. I think it might have been, but yeah, hopefully. And I know next weekend the weather looks a lot warmer for the forecast at Bristol. Yeah, then, I hope so. I, th I think it's going to be. Um, like I said, I'm excited to get up there and and see how this. Uh, like I said, I, I, last I checked, I think that um, JD had the points lead. If I can find it, of course, ain't going to have nothing up here, are they? I saw an interview there where uh, Scott Bloomquist there talking to him <laughs> in the media center. He finished second Saturday night. Ferguson's <laughs> in a Bloomquist car. They said Scott's in a Bloomquist car, obviously, and he and Ricky Weiss finished third, and I believe McDowell finished fourth or something like that. And then uh, they asked him, they said, they said, uh, what do you think about the Bloomquist car is running first and second. He said, well, it's really first and second and third. I don't think Ricky's ever built a car yet. <laughs> he kind of shot some fire. Uh, that was one of the funniest things I've shot seen. There at him. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, Scott says it. Oh, here it is. So, I know I'm <laughs> brushing you up here, but the points up there, J.D. is 174, Dale Mack is 173, Ricky Weiss 172. Madden's 168, Scott Bloomquist 163, and Daryl Landigan's 157. Well, second there, Dale McDowell. Ferguson 155, <laughs> Marler, and then Overton. Ferguson had a DNF on night one. That that really hurt his efforts. But that, but uh, Chickamauga, Georgia's Dale McDowell is who I would have predicted to win that thing from the start because he's just so consistent whenever it's time to run a big race. And well, J.D., I mean, both nights, J.D. Yeah. had to start in the back. 
and drove up to fourth. He had two top fives, but I mean that's that's impressive there because there. I watched Friday nights, like I said, and it was it was hard to pass. Um, a few guys could get around the high side and and make some. Uh, him and Overton just kind of marched their way up to the front there. So you know. Um, for him to drive from the tail both nights and end up fourth and have some good runs like that. So, um, like I said, looking at the points here, and they say top five is within nine points of each other, or 11 points. That's going to be it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be yeah. interesting for two more nights up there. If um, see who comes out on top and gets a hundred grand, which is unheard of in four races, a <laughs> points run for a hundred grand. So, World of Outlaws pays that to run all year. So yeah, we'll all see. year you got to race fifty times to get a hundred grand. So, well, we'll uh, we won't get into all that tonight. But I just I don't want to hold y'all up too long. Appreciate everybody listening to this podcast. You know, we've sold a few hats and t-shirts, and I appreciate everybody doing that and and supporting this deal and and listening and and uh, you know it's it's pretty it was cool to see pictures of some of my merchandise and stuff some of my hats that i've sold and apparel oh yeah There's, i got i got friday night i was talking to zach mitchell and his, his wife had her his, hat his wife pops her head out the trailer and just points at her head and i look at it and i was like oh yep four you, did you five, autograph it for her? i didn't autograph it she's <laughs> like i best podcast out there i love you guys so that's I, we Shout out to Brenna. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate all you guys listening to us. And um, Mike like Knuckles said, was in the booth all weekend there on the uh, on the XR race at Bristol, wearing the Forward Bike Podcast hat. So I mean, it's uh, man, it's growing. I mean, we just got to get the word out there and let these people know. Yeah, tell them to listen. Tell them to listen. We if they listen it. to this one with Hot Rod Lamance tonight, oh, they, yeah, they ought to be hooked. They'll be hooked. <laughs> they'll be hooked. So. so anyway, well, we appreciate everybody's support and listening to this deal. We're grassroots level man trying to just talk trying to take it to the next level so. we're just talking racing all right well stay tuned uh like i said for, uh this is the forward bike podcast i'm kyle armstrong adam logan here coming up after this hot rod lamance out of six miles south carolina is going to join us for the first time and it's one you do not want to miss well listeners in case you didn't get enough sports today here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports youtube is the new home of nfl sunday ticket and if you sign up now you'll get our lowest full season price of the year just go to youtube.com spotify offer to get 100 off nfl sunday ticket watch your favorite teams out of market sunday afternoon games exclusively on youtube and youtube tv all right enough about sports go get more sports terms and embargoes apply offer ends june 6 no refunds so welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bike Podcast. We've got Hot Rod Lamance right here on the phone lines tonight, and Hot Rod's done in Six Mile, South Carolina. What's going on tonight, Hot Rod? Just a, one of these cool evenings out here. We're just out here in the shop, not doing much. I hear you. What you uh, working on in the shop tonight? Oh uh, well, I've been doing a little woodworking instead of race car working. <laughs> yeah, is that is that going pretty good for you? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, been a sign painter a little on the side over the years lettered a few of my race cars but uh i just like to paint a little every now and then i hear you yeah so are you still going to do any more racing or is that or is this been it well i hadn't raced in a couple years now but it's kind of funny i got a phone call over the weekend asked me if i was ready to go again so Uh Uh uh-oh i said well i've only got one thing to do i said i've I've won races in five decades. I said, I guess I might as well make it six. Uh, 
<laughs> Bring it on. I don't think too many people, I don't think too many people can say that I've won it six decades. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, I, I started back in nineteen seventy six I won in the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands, the two thousand tens and so it's twenty twenty two. I think we should keep that trend going. <laughs> That's right. We need we need one, don't we? Yes, sir. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what you can come up with there. You may not want to spill the beans on what that ride may be yet, but uh, when you do, we'll talk about it here on here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, anyway, you mentioned you got your start back in 1976. I guess take us all the way back to that year and uh, and how how did you get your start in racing? Okay. Well, I worked for a man. Retired out of the Navy doing front end alignments, and uh, he uh, built him an old Chevelle street stock car. And he said, go race this thing one night. I said, oh, no. I was a drag racer back then, you know. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I come on, come on. So we go to the track, and, you know, the rookie class back then, you, you, you're actually track packers. They wet the track and send you out first, you know, so. Uh, I drew the third row inside, and they threw the green flag. We go down to the first turn. Everybody just stops. Well, I turn to the inside, and I pass second row guy, and I'd go up under the leader, slide up in the mud, hit him, knock him into the outside man. I come out leading. I said, there's nothing to this. <laughs> Came around the second lap. Right rear shock broke off. I spun out in front of the field, and I looked like a ping-pong ball. I said, well, maybe there's more to it than I thought. <laughs> so I was, I was hooked from then on. I had to go fix my own little 68 Dodge Super B. It was my first car of my own. And it was just like my first street car that my dad bought new for me. And yellow just like it. I started out with a little old 318 automatic in it, and I said, well, I'll go to the track and see what happens. I found out right quick that wasn't going to work. <laughs> so, so I got me an old big block from one of the guys I raced against, gave $50 for it, brought it home. My brother-in-law tore it apart. We turned the pistons around backwards in it because the wrist pins were all set. All we did was turn the pistons around backwards in it. I went out. I won a race at every track I raced on that year with that old car. Won a rookie track championship at Fountain Inn. So that really had us hooked then. So we went on next year and I moved up to Cadet. First week or two, we'd go to Fountain Inn and they didn't have enough cars to run the rookie and the cadet class, to, so they were going to combine us. And I told, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, I didn't move up because I could race. I could drive. I said, I just wanted to race with some guys that could drive because it was rough in that rookie class. And so, sure enough, they made a start in the rear with the rookie cars in front with the cadet cars, but we still won the race. So that wasn't no big deal. <laughs> and then the third year, Ben Durham, I sure you remember. Ben Durham with the two cars. George Williams won a ton of races. Bill Morgan won a ton of races. I drove for Ben three different times over the years, but this Ben decided to get into racing. He bought this car and 
He built his own motors, Ben, with a heck of an engine builder. And he wanted George Williams to drive it because George lived just right across the street from him. And George, he had a top-notch ride with Hoyt Reese. And George didn't want to give up a first-class ride to get in the car that this rookie guy just built, you know. And uh, so Ben asked me to drive it. And, uh, you know, I'd never raced anything like this. And all these guys that raced all their life, they kind of got ill at Ben because they wouldn't let them, he wouldn't let them drive it. He said, why did you get a rookie to drive this car? He said, well, I'll give him a few weeks. If we don't do any good, I'll get somebody else. Well, first race out, we go to Fountain Inn. A uh, fellow named Rex Thompson, if anybody went to Fountain Inn back in the day, he was the man to beat in that class. And uh, so I ended up winning the first race out. Rex ran second. Next week, Rex won, and I ran second. So me and Ben, we just had a exceptionally good year that year for a rookie driver and car builder, too. We went to Gaffney for our first race we'd ever been to Gaffney. They I- I want, to hear, the, I want to hear about the first time you ran a lap at Gaffney. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> this was when it was the big track, right? <laughs> yeah. No. And we'd been at Fountain Inn on this quarter-mile bull ring, and they opened up the six of them class for us 312 cubic inch V8 cars and uh, had a bounty on Jerry Gant. And, uh, but he had to be running at the end. We go over there, and that's the longest straightaway that I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> It was hard to hold that pedal down, but I'd go to that caution light, and I'd burp it and back in it. <laughs> I ended up winning winning the first race I ever raced at that night. But Bill Morgan was back there battling for Gant for fifth place and knocked him out with two laps to go, and I didn't collect the bounty because he wasn't running at the end. <laughs> His life was still out, boy. I said, Bill, you cost me the bounty. <laughs> and so... First 100-lap race they had at Riverside was in this car. I won it. So, like I said, we just had an exceptional year for rookies. And so, Ben still wanted George to drive for him since he was right there, lived right beside him. And I could tell it, you know. And he was real excited that we'd done so good, so he knew George would want to drive it. So I just told him, I said, Ben, I'm just going to quit. I said, you go ahead and get George to drive this car. So that was the first time I quit racing. It was in 1979. And so I said, I ended up driving four race cars that year, four different cars. I won three races out of the four cars that I drove. One of them was Fred Hawkins' old car. Anybody knew Fred Hawkins? He was this real tall, leaky fellow. I said, there's no way I can reach the pedals in this car. Well, he must have had his knees up against his chin because it fit better than Ben's car did. <laughs> the only thing, I couldn't reach the shifter. And if anybody had ever seen Bill Morgan start that 57 on a restart, you had to look twice to see if he was moving. He was so slow. And we had a caution with a couple laps to go in the heat race, and Bill took off real slow. When I got on the gas, it just cut off. It was going so slow. I couldn't shift out of high gear because I couldn't reach the shifter. And so the guy behind me hit me, and it cranked back up. 
I ended up finishing second. So I told Fred, I said, Fred, we got a problem. Told him what it was. He said, that's no problem. He said, took a torch, heated the shifter, and bent it back where I could get it up in third gear to take off on the restarts. They threw the green flag, and Bill and his father-in-law, Charles Lee, was on the front row. And I passed one of them going into the first turn and passed the other one coming off the second turn and led every lap. And uh, so I won that race in, in Fred's old car. That was just so I told everybody I was just going to become a professional relief driver is what I was going to do. <laughs> uh, the, last, the last race I won that year, the fourth was, it was actually for being in George. George has hurt his shoulder. He was running for the point championship. And Ben said, will you relieve George when the first caution comes out? And I said, sure, I'd be more than glad to, Ben. So he pulls in under first caution, jumps out. I get in it, started dead last, won the race. <laughs> so Ben said, I'm going to build George a new car next year. You want to drive this one? You want to drive this one? I said, sure, I'd love to, Ben. So that didn't, that didn't work out. He turned around. He bought us two new Eddie Hawkins cars. We had a two and a O2, me and George was teammates. First time out that year, won that first race again. I think we won seven out of the first eight races. So I was really a hooked racer then, you know. <laughs> so that was just, that's when it was fun. Racing was really fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh... Yeah, we've been kind of talking about that. Like, back in the day, every time we, we get somebody on, it's like just back when they first started, 70s, 80s, it was just fun. You just, you just get out there and race and have fun. and <laughs> Exactly. I, uh. Well, I left being that time to go for the Carolina Tool ride, the Ford car that Carolina Tool had. And uh, I just, I'm one of these, even with my street cars, when I get something to where I really like it, I'm done with it. I'm ready to get rid of it. Well, I'm kind of that way with a race car. I really get one worked out and figured out. I'm ready to do something different. I just like to take that challenge, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's, uh, I'm going to stop you there for a minute. So you you like the challenge of it. Exactly, exactly. You don't figure it out. It ain't no it ain't no fun no more, right? Exactly. You know, I, I just, you know, just skipping a few years there and whatnot, just crate racing. I didn't have anything to prove in a crate car. A lot of people so young, they never knew my real racing career. You know, they just thought of me as a crate racer. But I'd already had me you know, exceptionally well racing career i just started the crate racing to just have something to do to finish out a racing career and it turned out to be a something special too yeah we'll get to that more later on but i'm still we're still working our way through the 80s i definitely want to talk about that fast track stuff you had a lot of success there <laughs> exactly exactly so. <clears throat> but uh just like uh 81 i like I said, I went with Carolina, too. We had this one green car that I called a Jinx. We went to Rodney Collins in Lost Creek, West Virginia, and picked it up. He didn't have the right length axle tube, so he didn't put all the bolts in the center section. That was winning, broke, winning race cars, wasn't it, WRC? Yes, that was the day. That was the thing back in that mm -hmm. day. And uh, so, in fact, uh, Richards was up there with Rodney. That's That's... They were together then, Bill right. selling the power car. And so 
We brought it home. It broke the axle tube. Put a motor in it, getting ready to go to the racetrack, and it started skipping sitting at the shop. And I looked down on the floor where it came out of the header, and there's part of the valve seat. You can see the taper on it in the floor. I said, Tommy, that's part of the valve seat. He said, oh, no, no, it checked the compression. It, it still had about 80-pound compression on that cylinder. He said, come on, let's go, let's go. I said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, come on, let's go. Well, we get to Riverside, they'd already qualified. High tide was on the pole at a 1620. We went a 15. They gave us a lap, just a hot lap, just to see. I was willing to drive the car and it had a Thunderbird body on it and big high spoilers. We went out there and went a 1580 with the valve seat out of it. We've been on the pole by 410. Now, by now, <laughs> now, now by now, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you're you're not in the hot rod car yet at that point with it. No, no. You're still in that Carolina tool car. Right. Okay. Hot rod car didn't come along to 1984, I think it was. But and then we switched from Carolina tool, and I went to driving the 57 car that Boyd drove for Jack and Nell Finley. Had great success we won a track championship at riverside in 82 and it we that's when we really got to making a job out of it we'd run chester on wednesday night sugar creek thursday night riverside friday night yafty on saturday harris on sunday afternoon wow and work a full-time job <clears throat> oh my goodness <laughs> yes I think you, you were ate up with it at the end <laughs> Harris got to run it on Saturday night, the same against Gaffney. We'd go to Harris, run the main event, load up, leave down, go to Gaffney, fall in the rear, and run the main event again. <laughs> a lot of guys did that, didn't they? It was a Highway 11 chase across there. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I bet you got some stories about that. Those times oh, yeah. Going back and forth. I've even been in the trailer changing gears before we're going from one track to the other. <laughs> you can't do that these days. <laughs> oh, but then came up with the Eddie Hawkins built me this little that's before they had the weight limits and he built us this little inch and a half lightweight wedge car and he said if it don't work I'll build you another one well it was one of those that just if it didn't break you didn't outrun it it was just it was awesome I think it was 1,800 pounds with 20 gallon of fuel race. Oh, wow. <laughs> with me in it. <laughs> it was a dangerous ride, but it was. It sounded so like, it, sounded like it was a guaranteed uh, winner whenever he sold it to you. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, but that's the first car I put the hot rod on. If you see this, it had the maroon stripes and the hot rod on it. But I, everybody was putting numbers on the cars. And I said, well, now how can I get hot rod i said i can't put double zero that's freddie's number i can't do that i said well you stupid thing i said your number was eight when you started put an eight on it with a hot rod and that's where it came from that's that was the original hot rod you know it's still one of the most iconic paint schemes in uh, dirt racing history in my opinion with uh oh yeah i, I remember when i was young yeah <laughs> but uh you know that that's where that came about and, that, uh, and then, and then like was say, that about I, the top? I drove, I drove a lot of different cars over the years. I, I, 
it, it's 70 years old. It's kind of hard to remember a lot of the date and all. So I'm sure I'm not going to get some of these years, some of these people just exactly correct. But I've had a lot of great rides and, and a lot of great stories that I've done forgot about, you know. But, so, uh, so in those days, though, you were, uh, you were, I don't know if you'd, you were still running Chevrolets or Fords because I've always heard like Brownie Brown told me you had the fastest blue oval in the state of South Carolina there well, at one time. That came, that came about in the early 90s. From 90, 91, 92, we had this bad Ford. That's where Brownie Brown came about as a sponsor for us. He'd come to the Peach Festival at Cherokee and the tractor pool and him Cheryl came on over to Gaffney to see that bad Ford he had heard about. And they had twin races that night. And we actually won the first qualified on the pole, won the first day and buried the field. We won the second one. They protested, had the terror motor down. He said he'd stay there to make sure we were legal and all this. And that just started a relationship with Brownie Brown and the young brothers and they had to Fox 21 people there from Channel 21 Fox News because they were sponsoring us and uh, somebody got one of those liquid jugs out I think because when they came down to get their picture made they weren't feeling any pain <laughs> 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 so, but, but it was it was one of those deals the young brothers they like they like to drink a little bit they'd come down the pits I says uh uh I said, I'm running this show. Y'all might own it, but I'm running this show. I said, we don't drink around this race car. Not in the race car shop, not at the pit, not at the race. I said, y'all get up in those grandstands and y'all watch this race, but don't come down here and drink it. And they did. They did. And it was an understanding that stood the whole time I drove for them. Now, I might be wrong. I might be, I, I don't know, but you said early 90s you had that, that Ford. Mm-hmm. Was Ford's common in the dirt racing stuff back then, or was that kind of a, had, a kind of a newer that, deal? In in '89, we won the big race at Gaffney, first Ford to win in ten years in that division. The other one ten years earlier was the Carolina Two car that I drove, so it was ten years between a Ford winning over that. And uh, but we, uh, Clements was doing the motors. And we were having trouble eating the push rods. That thing, it would just blacken into the push rod and eat the end of the push rod and go to skipping. And, uh, but Ernie Elliott did the heads on it. Cost us, I think, like $10,000 to get the ports raised, the valve angles changed. The next year, the eight heads came out over the counter for $3,500. So I guess we ended up paying for the R&D on those. Those four heads. <laughs> you were R and D before R and D was a thing. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But but that forward is it was one of those David Pearson showed up one night. I said, What are you doing over here? He said, I come to see that bad forward I've been hearing about. <laughs> so that's that's how bad it was, you know. It, it was legendary. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people Brownie has brought it up here on this podcast about that big bad forward and then uh, I've heard other people along the through the years talking about it, and yeah, it, you know, uh, it was just it was famous. We're still sitting here talking about it thirty years later. You know, the Dunbar Ford was the only other really Ford that yeah. was running at that time, and then 
Bloomquist switched over to Ford, and he told me, he says, no wonder you were kicked in there behinds with that Ford. He said, it's got so much more power than my Chevrolet, I can't believe it, he said. <laughs> I know, I used, I, so I used to race, uh, I, I crewed on with uh, Daryl Lanigan, and Jack built his motors, and every time I go pick up a motor, he had all those old, old, uh, you know, newspaper clippings and magazine articles about how Jack and, and Bloomquist, you know, kind of, kind of almost put Ford on the map, but it looks like, it sounds like you were the one, one of the first <laughs> ones to put that Ford on the map. Well, we, def- we definitely had a, if it, like I say, if it didn't break, we won the race. That's they had twin impressive. races one night, and I went out, and it started skipping in hot laps. I said, I went and got Glenn Clements, and I said, Glenn, we got a problem. He pulls the valve cover. Sure enough, the end of the push rod was burnt, slam up. So it so happened, Buck was driving for Wade on, Wade Hagler, and, and the Wade on car, and the, their push rods were the same length as what we had in that Ford. So we borrowed a push rod from him, went out, qualified on the pole, won the first race. Glenn said, you think we ought to check it? And I said, well, that's up to you. I said, it was running good. He said, if it's running good, let's leave it alone. I started in the rear, got the second, drove up under Buck to pass him, and it started skipping. Had to pull in. It done ate another push rod. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned uh, Buck there, Buck Simmons. And, uh, man, you – I don't know if we talk, uh, talked about it, but I wanted to ask you, and this was about earlier 80s, but the NDRA series was, was huge right there at that time. I just wanted to ask you, did you run any of those races when no, they came I through? No, I didn't run any of those. That's when I was really running with the families and just running local and – in between rides, I drove a lot of limited cars for Bobby Mason. In fact, I was keeping up a car for James McCall one time, and, and he said, if you'll get somebody to buy him a race car, he said, I'll buy you a cruise. Well, I got Bobby Mason to buy the car. I got me a cruise, and then I got to drive the race car. I won nine out of the first 11 races in it, so... Sounds like a win-win situation there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Sell a race car and get a ride and get a cruise out of the deal. <laughs> and then, I don't know if you remember Steve Addington that was crew chief for Jason Keller and then went on to be Tony Stewart, Kyle Bush's crew chief. Mm-hmm. He helped me in late 80s with the Cohen's Gaskins Larry Martin race car. And we, uh, that was, his, I'd say, his first crew chief in help anywhere you know and uh we went on to after i quit driving for lay we borrowed us a race car from billy bishop junkyard borrowed us a motor i had a little open trailer but i didn't didn't have anything to pull it with got these two uh i'd say african-americans if i can <laughs> that had a little old f-150 and they hooked to it took us to the racetrack we pulled him beside all these big rigs and bobby k at carhouse he says they showed up with a barred car barred truck that didn't have any spare had two spare tires on the tire rack and just kicked our behind so you know that's that's when it was fun <laughs> that had to be a lot of fun and then they stopped at the waffle house or somewhere and ate on the way oh home. yeah no our, our theory was you had to stop at the waffle house on the way you did you won there it we wasn't go on the way home it was on the way to the track 
I ain't never heard nobody doing that. No, no, no. Maybe that's why we don't win as much. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> We're doing it wrong. Aren't yeah. Wrong? We're doing Jason it wrong. Keller, Jason Keller, when he was racing dirt, had a brand new Barry Wright car, hadn't won a race in it yet. And uh, he uh, had to go to his junior senior prom. So his dad, Joe, said, Hot Rod, will you drive Jason's limited car tonight? I said, Sure, I'd love to. What do I do? Won the race. Called Jason. They said, Tell her. Somebody asked I said, well, what'd you do? He said, well, Daddy called and told me they won. He said, I never missed another race because I wasn't going to lose my ride. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there more to that story? Because I've heard that, uh, I've heard tale of uh, Jason Keller might have went to two different proms that same weekend or something like that. No, it's just the one. I just drove it the one race. <laughs> okay. Well, Dwayne, yeah. Dwayne Goins was who I got that source of information from. Oh, I can from. imagine. I can imagine that. <laughs> he always got to put a little bit of icing on top of the cake whenever he tells a story. <laughs> he can tell him. I yeah. like him with Dwayne. All he right. told me hot rod, hot rod romance if I won and hot rod romance if I lost. No. I, I remember that. I definitely I remember that. I do. Um, speaking of that, um, I guess we could have asked it at the beginning, but that's a, you bring up a good point. How did you get that nickname, Hot Rod, and uh, it's stuck with you? That's pretty much your name now, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, my dad had an old 40 Ford race car. I don't remember him ever racing it, but it, it sat out here in the backyard, and I was a little old bitty squirt, and I'd stand up in the seat and act like I was driving that thing all day, and they just nickname started calling me hot rod and it just stuck you were just you were just practicing for your 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 racing career then weren't that you? that's right that's right it seemed to work it seemed to work well i got a question you kind of you kind of hinted on it this might go on further down in, on on the timeline here but the first thing i remember or i've ever seen you was it had to be uh was it udtra Maybe Extreme it, Dirt or, Car. Extreme Dirt Car Series. Or is that Livonia Speedway? And they did a little um, little segment on you getting to the racetrack. You had possibly one of the coolest haulers I've ever seen in my life. That's That was probably about 2003. Yeah. Uh, I was driving for John Carter, Carter's Royal Disposal. And he had all these dumpsters, you know, had these big trucks to haul those big dumpsters on, so... He built a stainless steel platform with a two storage part compartment in it in the front of it, a tire rack on it. Just pulls up to the racetrack, unloads that thing on the ground. Well, we got a stainless steel garage to work off of. We didn't have to work off the dirt. And we all liked at him and talked about that thing, but you know, it was pretty cool. It was the coolest rig. I remember it. Adam probably just saw it on TV, but I, I literally, I remember seeing it. I remember, uh, I remember that rig and seeing you have it at Livonia or Tacoa or, or at Riverside or whatever in those days. We, and that thing was neat. We, they were having a big race at Charlotte and yeah, <laughs> the gates opened at two, right? He lives at Tacoa, Georgia at four o'clock. We're still in Tacoa, Georgia. <laughs> we get, we get there late. Just because he wanted to show off that little truck. He's going to pull it in front of everybody and unload it. Well, we're too late to qualify. I had to start in the rear of the concert and all this. And I get up to about eighth place, and they have just huge double file starts. Well, 
Everybody chose inside, inside, inside. So I come from like eighth or ninth all the way to outside of Rambo on the restart. Well, I jumped Rambo on the restart, won the concert, got the race, started in the rear of the main then and was just coming through the field. The guy came out of the infield and hit me, knocked me out of the race. <laughs> I was probably there. That was probably a Southern All-Stars race. I don't remember, but yeah. I just remember that that that's, happened. That's probably what Charlotte was roughing cornfield out there. <laughs> yeah. Probably, he, he probably didn't know which way he was going himself. <laughs> <laughs> but a couple of years before that, I was driving for Max Miller at Livonia, and he had a GRT car with a all-aluminum Cornette small motor, and that was probably another dominant Ford, but it didn't break. It usually it stayed together. <laughs> In fact, we won... Left my last thirteen in three different states with it, so it was a it was a bad ride. Jack can build a motor, can he? And he sure can. He he sure, and it was all drivable, usable horsepower. Oh yeah, oh yeah. At, at that time, Buck was trying to get Buck Simmons was trying to get his style to win. Boyles had that GRT car with an Ernie Elliott motor, and you know I was trying I was trying to help him win because I wanted to see him winning as much as anything, you know, and. uh Bold, he'd come on down and try and help us on this car, help us on this car. Well, I'm one of these, you know, I help everybody. My wife tells me I tell too much anyway. I need to keep secrets. But uh, I went down and I tried to help him. I even drove that car practicing. And it had so much torque, you just, you couldn't use it. But that one jack build, it was just awesome. It, just it was all usable horsepower. You just pulled down the straightaway. Yeah, yeah. You didn't buzz the tires like that one that Boyle knows had. But we won the 01 track championship in that car, and then the next year we were leading a big $10,000 race, and uh, we'd won it the year before and had two laps to go. They had a caution, and the belt, the dry sump belt broke under caution with two laps to go, and I'm looking right at the oil pressure. It starts dropping, and the light flicking on, I just flipped it off. Called Jack and he says, Check the old bird. And there's nothing in it. Crank it up. Got oil pressure. Check the old bird again. And he said, If there's nothing in it, he said, Run it. And sure enough, we finished the season with it. Didn't hurt it a bit. <laughs> Sent it back to him and then got it fresh. Was you able to finish that race that day? No, you... I didn't. The guy's daddy that owned it, he said, He couldn't have made two laps. He said, Yeah, but it'd have cost more than 10000 to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Cut your losses. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah. Um I you were uh, what about some have a Tampa races? You ran some you ran with some of them guys back in the mid nineties there, didn't you? Yeah, ninety five we had a new bear right car was gonna run some have a Tampa races and we had engine guy furnishing some motors and I think we changed motors eight times in the first four weeks, so we kinda had a bad experience went to Brunswick went to Brunswick when it was big and fast and black and you know I was so far out front in my heat race that I dropped the valve with two laps to go and still came around and won the right one the heat race and I called the guy and I said I need a motor so I don't have one I said well, I gotta have one and this was a 430 we had to wait extra weight for the big motor at that time and 
He said, all I got is a small motor that Mike had sent back. He said, uh, it needs freshening. I said, guys on the way to get it right now. I said, we got to have one. We've already made the race. So we ended up running third and had to keep the weight on it because we qualified with a big motor and still run third with that wore out motor. My arms were about to fall off. I said, Barry, I said, why don't this car have power steering? He said, you won't need it the rest of the year. <laughs> and so we get to Valdosta. I believe it was Valdosta. Anyway, another one of those tracks in South Georgia, black, just like I said, Barry, I thought you would say we wouldn't need the power steering. He said, well, you probably need it here. <laughs> so he called Art, and he got Art the next day, Saturday delivery, and we went over to Cecil Unis' shop, and cut the stern shaft, put the servo in, put all the power steering on. Power steering pump had a small pulley V on it. The motor had the wide pulley. What happens? Ten laps into the race, the power steering belt falls off. So it was worse if we had to put it on to start with. <laughs> we were talking about that earlier before we started this. We were talking about some of these, well, any of these young kids now racing, they wouldn't know what to do without power steering. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you you guys back in your gen- your generation were, uh, were full-grown men by the time they were racing. And it was, uh, and, and there's yep. no doubt about that. Yeah, the, another funny one there, the third time I ever drove for Ben's, I called him. I said, man, you haven't got anybody to drive that old car. I said, I'd like to try the time, too. He said, let me get this new motor built. And he said, we'll go to Gaffney. First race at Gaffney, they have a big race. And we won the race. Mike Head was second. Duval was third. Head and Duval went together and protested. Ben had to tear his brand new motor down. <laughs> and... We went on one, I think, five out of the last seven that year. So it was, that was another good year with me and Ben. What year was that again? That was like 86, I think. 86, I got you. Yeah. You don't, you don't hear too much about the sound they, they Mike Head and Duval protest. You don't, you don't hear too much about protesting much these days. Yeah, we were, we were claiming a little motor, you know, and they were running big motors, and they felt like we outrun them. You know, we had to have a big one, and, Ben had to pull ahead, and they PNG'd it. And <laughs> but now, usually, it's all just run what you bring type for as cubic inch on the motor and not a weight break for the yeah. small motor versus big motor. I, I drove for Wade and Donna in the Wade Don car uh, three different times, and, and we won a ton of races in that car. In fact, Duval leased a track it. Antioch one night, and he had a big car show at the uh, mall there before the race. He got ready to leave to go down to the track, and he says, I ain't got to worry about Hot Rod tonight. So he got new sheet metal on. <laughs> so we'd won it Gaffy the week before, and uh, we get up there, and for some reason we qualified bad. I just, I guess I missed it because I qualified like 13th. I mean, they were some good cars, Pennington, Gibbons, Duvo. You know, just the best of the best back then. And, uh, so he looks at me, Wade looks at me before the race. He says, if don't get hooked up and go to the front. Just pull it in and save it for Gaffney tomorrow night. And I said, okay. It wasn't 10 laps into the race. I'm already second battling with Duval. And uh, he runs down there and he turns it sideways and I go across the hood of him. <laughs> Excuse me. And they threw the caution, put him back in front. I don't know if they 
threw it for somebody else or what, but they threw the caution, put him back in front. We ran side to side the rest of the race. Finally, I cleared him coming off the fourth turn to get the white flag, and I had almost a straightaway on him when we came back around and got the checkered flag. That's how bad he was holding me up. But it was funny. He said, you know, I won't have to worry about hot rod. He's got new sheet metal. And you bent it up, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you tore it yeah. up. It's a race car now. Yeah, yeah. But you talking about uh, having new sheet metal, and, and there at the beginning of the show, you talked about hand lettering some of your own stuff. I'm sure you took a lot of pride in your in your the look of your race car. Well, yeah, we've had some some good looking cars over the years. I just on my phone, I I took a picture of several different ways I had the hot rod on it, and there's been some very unique ways that I've had it. Yeah, and I think they've all worked. Worked out uh -huh. pretty good. Oh yeah. So, so over this, over this little us talking here, all I hear is you win, win, win. How many wins? How many feature wins have you got? Well, that's something. I'm kind of like Brownie said. I never really kept notes, notes, notes. I don't have any idea. It it probably scare me to really know. When the when the old dirt track cards come out in like nineties, early nineties. Mm -hmm. You know, I put approximately 200. Cause I had no idea, you know. And guy told me, he said, 200? said, you probably got 400. He said, I said, well, I didn't know, and I wasn't going to exaggerate. I said, I don't know. I said, I just, I really didn't know, and I never kept up with it. I do know that I started driving for Tim King in the freight car in 2012. I was 60 years old. I won 75 races and five crate track championship since i turned 60 so <laughs> that's more a lot of people can say oh yeah oh yeah a lot of people go their whole career not winning one he went in your 60s and crate 75 my goodness i remember those cards you're talking about there too i've got one of your cards from Have those you? days yeah mm -hmm. you were just, you were just a racing you didn't care if you won you were just out there having a good old time that's right that's right but now i was one of these if I didn't think I could win, I wasn't going to go to that racetrack. I went to win. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> you know, I didn't go to ride around. I went to win. Now, you, you, we've talked a lot about, you know, Livonia and Cherokee and Fountain Inn and Chester and all these tracks in the South Carolina and Georgia area. Um, and I know I'd seen you run at Carolina Speedway when I was when I was growing up. And But did you really ever go out and, and – just, you know, up north or anywhere, maybe the well, Eldoras or anything? I probably, run, I probably run up down the road more with Leroy Rumley than I have anybody. Uh, in fact, I don't know where all we did go. Uh, but Did you ever go to Pennsboro? Uh, I've, I've been to Pennsboro. I went to Pennsboro with Wade one year. They pulled us in with a four-wheel drive tractor. It was so muddy. Three days later, they pulled us out with that same four-wheel drive tractor. <laughs> that place was an experience, wasn't it? Everybody needs to say they went to Pennsboro one time. They wouldn't believe it, the money they paid for the facility they had. No, I know. I'm uh, I'm, I'm young, but I used to drive by there to go into Rocket and stuff. I looked out there and I said, they race cars out there? <laughs> I think I think that. I don't remember who I was driving for, but we did that Pennsboro, West Virginia deal Friday, 
Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, out and back. We did mm-hmm. that one year, and because you know they didn't have the lights and right. <laughs> qualify one, leave, go to the other, qualify, come back, race one, go to the other one, and race the other. And they were both fifty thousand to win. Yeah, yeah, Moran won them both that year. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, that's just something you don't hear of these days. That would have been a pretty neat deal to get to go to just to get to be alongside the highway just watch all them rigs go by hammer down exactly. trying to get to that next track <laughs> exactly my dad and his buddies i think they went up there that year uh and they went to the race at west virginia motor speedway and there and during the day they went over to pinsboro and you know like you said watched it but uh, you know watched the qualifying that day but they mainly went up there to go to west virginia my dad i said well why didn't you go to both of them that'd have been a better story he said <laughs> uh, he said well hell i could only afford one race ticket that weekend <laughs> So, but yeah that that was a you still hear some people talk about that weekend some talking about going back and forth between those two tracks it was probably an hour and a half between the two i think mm-hmm. and the uh, first time i ever went to west virginia motor speedway it snowed it out and we left there and ended up at hagerstown maryland no oh. was the first time i'd ran hagerstown yeah that's a big old joint too that's a pretty cool yeah. track that was always a, a, a track that well it's still got a big name yeah a reputation of uh being a big late model part of the country up there and we we started to rear that night up there and i ran rodney franklin down and passed him and won the country race to get in and and everybody said you got a small motor on gasoline and y'all running that fast i said yep we sure do it's like never found any racing fuel because everybody up there was running methanol yeah yeah we had uh yeah i don't know i had wade knowles on here one time and i asked him i said what was the deal with running methanol or gas and he said i don't know they just said we had if you weren't gonna if you weren't gonna be on methanol you weren't gonna win or something like that or or qualify good and the bad part about it the fuel cells back then you couldn't run a hundred lap race on methanol no. So after you qualified, you had to jack it up, drain the fuel cell, change the carburetor, go back to gas where you could make the 100 laps. That's what he was saying. He said it was more trouble than it was really worth. Not not jumping ahead or anything here, but just like all these crate wins. Everybody was buying this 10 and $12 gallon oxygenated fuel, which was hurting the crate motors. We were going over here to the Sphinx Station, giving $1.69 for E85 and just murdering them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really all you need yeah it ran cooler you run a smaller fan and close the front off just everything to your advantage they they make I, so many different mixtures of fuel now and everything that in the crate race and everybody's gonna have that chp now oh yeah yeah i still hear people running old pump gas eight or nine hundred dollars a drum i think last time i heard last race I, last race i ran at gaffy was a crate race in 2004 when it was a big track you know i hadn't even raced on it since they shortened it but uh i went over there i just had a man give me an old grt car i went and bought me an old i called it the dump truck motor those 602 steel heads because mm-hmm. it sounded like a dump truck running you know just so i went over there and lenny said these guys over here said they didn't have to worry about you. You didn't have the motor that they had. That's when all those was all doctored up and whatnot. See, they hadn't been around long. They <laughs> and, and I, uh, 
I felt like I was just in slow motion. I'd go down the corner, they'd run down there and back out while I'm still flat on the floor, you know. <laughs> Drive by, I'm going in the corner just like they were in reverse. Won the race. They protested my fuel. That's... <laughs> at that time, you had to buy fuel from the racetrack, Turbo Blue or something, I forgot. Well, I'd been running pump guys. I drained it out and bought 20 gallons worth of their fuel and poured in it. They said, if you didn't take the foam out of it and clean it out completely, he said, it's still not going to check right. And I said, if I get thrown out because I took 93 octane pump guys out of my car and bought those fuel and put in it, I'm going to be very upset. But it passed. I, I, but they had me worried. Yeah. Man, I, that would have made you mad for sure. But, yeah, like you – you alluded to there taking a smaller motor and, and he's racing against all these younger guys in the crate cars and that's what i was saying you they just didn't know who they were who that hot rod lamance was did they <laughs> no no <laughs> man, yeah, man I went, had some experience behind him well i want to I, go ahead go ahead. I, I just want to touch base on when i really got into the crate racing i i uh went i took that car that the man gave me i borrowed an engine from Jody Palmer that just passed away. A friend of mine had a car lot in Piedmont. He borrowed us a truck, borrowed us a trailer. We go to Oglethorpe, won that $9,000 with the new motor and won 24 races with that motor plus the $50,000 fast track night championship with the motor that we won. <laughs> and that was in 2006, I believe, if my notes are right. Yeah, that was it. And my, wife had a, my wife had a stroke with no insurance and then we go down there and win that. So the good Lord was looking out for us. Amen he was to that. On your, he was on your side that year. <laughs> Amen then, to that. That was a big accomplishment that year, though, for you to win that $50,000. That was really unprecedented in any kind of racing, and especially crate late model racing at that time. Exactly. You know, I just want to thank Stan Lester for doing that fast track deal because that just added another – 15, 20 years of racing to my, to my life, you know, of having fun. You know, everybody else was really serious about it. Well, I'd already had my confidence. I didn't have anything to prove. I was just out there really having fun then, you know. And Tim King came to me in 2012. He'd been to Barry Wright's, called a brand new Barry Wright car. And he can't stop by the place where I work. And he said, you going to drive this thing? I said, well, that's up to you. And so he went back to get it, and that's when Barry and Danport were running so bad. They didn't even go to Eldora. They stayed home and redesigned their car. Tim comes back to get ours, and they'd already moved the right front out on theirs. And he said, you mean my car's obsolete before I even pick it up? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Barry changed it. Didn't charge him a, a penny for it, you know, because he took care of it. And we go to the racetrack the first night. He was at the core. I went out there when a 12:51 track record still stands a day for crate. I came in. I said, "We've got a problem, Tim." He said, "What?" I said, "This old man can't hold his breath for 25 laps." But <laughs> 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 we we had us a good time. And then last race we ran it, we set the track record at Livonia, and I go to, up to TNT and picked up a new TNT car and brought it back that weekend. Tim called me on Monday. He said, guess what I did? I said, what? He said, I took the shocks and the sprays and motor transmission out of that bare right car and 
put on that new TND. I said, have you lost your mind? Go down there and broke the track record by three tenths. <laughs> Go back a month later and went a seven tenths quicker than we'd went in the Barry Wright car and would have been second in the super late model case. We were on the pole at a 1698. We went, a, I mean, a 17, a 1598. We went a 1610 with a 604 crate motor. <laughs> <laughs> My I'm, I'm really surprised you could remember these lap times y'all ran, but you can't remember how many races you've won. Right? I, I never kept up with it. I, just, I wish I had them. <laughs> he knows I how fast I, he was. He knew how fast he was. He knew how fast he was. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. How fast I went. Oh, yeah. We went. We went to Brunswick with the crate cars. Me and Ronnie Johnson were we were running 1650 that day, and Bloom Fashion Bloomer run was 1720s practicing that day, and we were out there with those 604s running 1650s. But then he got fast the next day. Come time to qualify. I, that was whenever it was the big track. I, I think I yeah. can remember being down there and seeing you and Jeff Purvis race that that weekend. And Mike Head was there um running the supers and rambo and i mean they were it was they were all there but uh i think i remember that bloomquist wound up winning that that was about 2003. Uh -huh. um, yeah i sure do i was there but yeah the, so i mean the crate deal like you said that took you on for another decade or so another 15 years and yeah <laughs> sounds like you sounds like uh you're going to be back in the seat here pretty soon well, I I don't know what it's going to be yet, but we actually ran a couple of super races in a Rayburn car a couple of years back, and uh, we went up to Ray Cook's track and qualified like ninth, and they finally had a red flag with a few laps to go, and we was already up to second, and Ray come over and he said, man, did you looking good? <laughs> and I, I said, yeah. I said, he finally got hooked up on the bottom now and then, and uh, then we went on up to Blue Ridge or somewhere and, and ransacked it to the pain in the eight car. And uh, so we were kind of excited about it, but then the motor blew. So now that, ended that, that ended that little spurt, but it was a, one of the last two cars that came off of Rayburn's jig. So that's pretty cool right there. That's pretty special, really. Uh huh. That's real special. Yeah. It sure is. We lost him back over the winter here. And uh, man, it was a. Big blow to the sport for sure to lose Rayburn. If, if never anybody never knew Rayburn, they they missed a real deal. <laughs> he was something else, wasn't he? When I drove for Leroy and we went to somewhere in Kentucky and and uh, we'd went and practiced on a Sunday afternoon at this one track, just me and him. Kevin was still in school at the time and and me and him went up there with us in one sprint car. They didn't put any water on the track and it was a dust bowl and and. Uh, that's the first time we'd ever took the stiff right front spring out, put a soft spring in just to try it. It tightened that car up so much getting into the corner. I said, Leroy, there's something there. And so we went on up there to the race. And uh, that first night, it was dusty. I mean, I, don't, I, like I, said, I forgot where, which track we were at. But you couldn't even see the car in front. Of, I thought of Jim Dunn. You couldn't even see the car in front of you when you come off turn. You just hold your breath. And so we ended up finishing six that first night. Well, they paid 10000 the next night, and I think it was 5000 the first night. And I said, Leroy, let's try that soft spring. He says, okay, you want to? And I said, yeah. 
Well, they said, you need to qualify early. He said, the track falls off so much from first to last. He said, there's over a second difference. He said, you need to go out first to qualify. Well, I looked, and people were lining up down there before we ever hot lap. I said, Leroy, they are already lining up the hot lap. And uh, so I go down there and ask him, I said, y'all lined up the hot lap? And he said, no, we're lined up to qualify. He said, we don't go hot lap, so we want to be first out to qualify. I went back and told Leroy, he says, well, maybe we'll just quit, just skip hot laps and get in line. I said, no, we need to try this spring. So I go out, and oh, it was awesome. I came back around. When I got in line, I was 46 out of 82 cars to qualify and go out and set fast time. <laughs> I, so I had an old 460 cubic inch that Leroy built himself. That was, it was a monster now. And uh, so they wet the tracks before we started. They stopped us at 50 laps and wet it again. And Ronnie Johnson said, I did two things today. I said, this week, I said, I'd never do. And I said, what's that? He said, I ordered a new Barry Wright car. And I'm driving a Rayburn car tonight. <laughs> he said, I talked to Rayburn and he told me what to do to it. He says, if it don't work, go to the concession stand and get you a hot dog. He said, I've already been to the concession stand three times and this thing still, still <laughs> keeps driving. <laughs> oh my goodness. No hot dogs. We'll have to get Ronnie. Yeah. We'll have to get Ronnie Johnson on here one day to hear his side yeah. of all that. <laughs> he said, I've been to the concession stand three times and it still don't work. <laughs> Well, what was the over your great racing career? What was the your favorite place to race or favorite car or any era? What was what was the best time of you racing? Well, probably the most prestigious. I mean, I hate to say it was that Walter Newman car with that Ford motor in it that Brownie sponsors on. It was just it was special because nobody else had one and just special to take that and do what we did with it i got you i mean it just had a lot of a lot of it i was always i was hands-on i'm the one i had trevor bain you know that runs the infinity his uncle two of his uncles and his granddad goes to the racetrack and helps us on it the, the one uncle it was just me and him that worked on the car it was all hands-on so we called the shots and we did our own thing with it that that's more reason that I ran my own stuff more than I did anybody else because I just like to be hands-on and call the shots. Yeah. Right or wrong, I, it was my fault, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of <laughs> that's a lot of that these days has gone by the wayside. A lot of people, you know, don't really, buy the way know, in and go right on. You know? Yeah, they don't. They don't really work on them no more, or, or they really. They go ask somebody else. They don't put the time and effort themselves in. It looks like you uh, you took pride in, you know, working on your stuff and doing something maybe outside the box or, or right. something well, different. Well, see, I, I wasn't afraid to try something. I, Wade Hacker was my mentor, I guess, on that. We'd go to Gaffey and straight away and go back the next week and not even have a shot and spring on the car that was on it the week before. So. <laughs> <laughs> I told him one time, I said, Wade, you need to get you a job and go to work and quit working on this race car. <laughs> <laughs> But it was fun. Oh yeah, I got a couple of names here I want to ask you about. Uh, what, what you see? What the first thing you remember when they come to your mind here? And Bra uh, okay. Brownie Brown gave me these names, and he said if I'd be remiss to not ask, so I'll shoot you this first name here: Enos Thomas. 
Enos Thomas was a big block fanatic, man. <laughs> he, he believed that those big block mud boggy Sonny Leonard 600 cubic inch motors was the baddest thing they were, but you couldn't. I won a race at Gafty in it, but it spin all the way down the straightaway. It was just so unreal. Uh, it, but you couldn't convince him that it, that small block 430 had was twice as fast as that big block. <laughs> we went to practice one night at Gaffey on a Thursday night. And Jack had been driving for Pennington, and he'd, they had split ways, so I got in it and uh, went out in the big block car first. Well, something happened to the motor, so we unloaded the small block car. I went out like a half second faster in it. I said, this is the car we need to be racing, ain't it? So I thought I'd convinced him of something. He goes home, switched that big block out to another one of those big Sonny Leonard big blocks, a little bit bigger, comes back. <laughs> and something happened to it in the heat race, so we had to unload the other car. I started in the back of the concert, and, and I made the race, started in the back, and came up to top five. And I really thought I could fit him in, but no, he still believed that those big blocks were the way to go. I got all right. Rudy Wade. Rudy Wade's. I like old Rudy. Wade Rudy and I met. My son raced go karts for him when he was real young and a kid. And Rudy got him a race car, so I was working to keep Rudy's race car up while my son was driving the go kart. So it's kind of getting the best of both worlds there. But I liked old Rudy. He was he was a nut. In fact. In 95, when we were doing the Have a Tampa deal, that Bob Eddard, his father-in-law at the time, is the one that went in with me on it. It was me and him. But Rudy was a good one. All right, so I got a question here for you. Um, so your your son-in-law is Andy Madison. What was your first impression of Andy Madison whenever you got to see him race? Andy is just laid back. You never thought of him as a race car driver, you know. He's just laid back. And his brother, Jamie, that passed away, Jamie was real aggressive, and, and Andy was totally opposite on the driving style. But Andy's won his share of races now. <clears throat> now there's my grandson, Cruz, is racing go-karts, and Andy's really dedicating his time with Cruz and the go-karts. And 11 years old, he won over $20,000 last year in go-karts, so that's pretty good for an 11-year-old kid. No doubt. It is good. And then uh, another name here, of course, you've already touched on it a whole lot, but Adam just wrote it down here for on my notes. Barry Wright. Barry Wright, he is builds as fine a detailed race car as anybody in the business. Uh, I mean, when his dad was doing the sheet metal work, it was it was great. You know, I mean, he, he built a really I don't have anything bad to say about him because, you know, I've won a ton of races with his cars. But Lance, you know, is kind of taking over the deal now, and I wish him luck in the future. They they always come up with a good car and have to work around somebody to get things going, but they'll they'll get it going. Yeah, they've uh, they've been around a long time. They've always found a way to find the front whenever they're That's right. out there. Um, yeah, you know, you talked about your grandson there racing uh, go karts and everything now, and I, I really think that's 
that's pretty neat that, that uh, you know another generation is coming up and and you're involved in his racing career a whole lot. And you said he won twenty thousand last year, so at eleven years old. So. Yeah, so it sounds like he's got a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, no doubt. Follow your footsteps. He does. <laughs> but now he's he's one of these. If he's on, you're not gonna beat him. And it's usually the big money races is where he really prevails. I mean, he'll just like one night he qualified bad. He had to run the constant. He won the constant. Started dead last. Went all the way to the front. Got shuffled out. Went back to eight. Came back from eight to the front again. Won two thousand dollars. So I mean, he just. <laughs> He's a chip off the old shoulder, ain't he? Uh, he's tough. He's tough. Sounds just like you talking about you weren't running one of your old races there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know if you remember this hot rod, but there probably four or five years ago, uh, we I parked beside you down there at Possum Kingdom Cartway down there, and uh, we got to talking to you. We were just parked beside each other, and I didn't recognize you, and uh, we were just talking, and you. I said, well, where are y'all from? He said, and then you said, uh, six miles, South Carolina. I said, oh, yeah, that's the home of Hot Rod Lamance. And you looked at me, you said, hell, I am Hot Rod Lamance. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I just hadn't seen you in a long time at that point. And then from there on, we just, we were, uh, we, we hit it off from the rest of the night there and, and had a good time watching that race in there at the go kart track. Now, now that's a big go kart track. It, it is. Man, yeah, they draft around that place. Oh, yeah. So, well, I don't know, man. This has been a lot of fun. We went a little over an hour tonight, and this may be one of our longest yeah. podcasts that we've ever done. But I, I think people are really going to love to hear this, hear your story. And uh, it's, I've been look, looking forward to trying to get you on here for a long time. I'm glad you agreed to be on. And I, I think everything that we did was excellent tonight. And I hope the, hope the listeners appreciate it and hope you get a lot of good response out of it, too. Well, I, I appreciate you inviting me on, and I'm sure I've missed a lot of people. I'm sorry <laughs> that I have, but, uh, you know, I just, like I said, this younger generation, a lot of them looked at me as a great racer, but that wasn't when it, we raced back in the day when you draw and had to start in the rear and pass to go to the front. It wasn't qualifying to start up front and <laughs> get the win, you know, it, it was back when you had to earn it you had to earn it you had to race your, you had to race your, you know <laughs> exactly, to win the deal. exactly. Yeah. yeah i mean we could we could probably go on and on about that <laughs> man I, yeah i don't want to hold you up too much longer tonight hot rod but man this has been a this has been a treat yeah, for us to have fun. you on here it's it really fun. has been a opera an honor and a privilege to to get to do this with you tonight and, and, and this i want to touch base one thing you you know we had the rock golf memorial race this weekend yeah. congratulations to blair on the win but in my opinion rock golf was the best promoter in this area there ever has been and ever will be i mean back in the day i'd go over there and not just because i had that forward or whatnot it didn't matter what kind of car i was racing if i had trouble he had envelopes there he said here pick the envelope where people didn't pick up their money at the pay window or whatnot, pick your envelope, or you'd reach in that pocket, get two or three hundred dollars. I never left ever less than three hundred dollars. It didn't matter what happened. 
Yeah, so. I've heard. I've actually heard other people tell that story, and uh, that's good you brought that up. They did have the Rock Golf Memorial this weekend. That was well attended. I didn't actually go myself, but uh, but you're a member. You are a member of the Cherokee Speedway Hall of Fame down there, as as you should be. Uh-huh. And that day that you got inducted, I was we were down there for whatever race they were having that day. And I remember seeing you leave in your little Toyota pickup truck and headed to well, Lavonia to, 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 to race that night or somewhere. Or that night. Yeah. <laughs> now, that little That's truck true. you drive, is that that one you bought from Mike Duvall? Uh, no, no. Jonathan was telling me, Jonathan Duvall, Mike's son, was, he listens to this podcast religiously, and he was talking to me about you bought a little old truck from Mike Duvall and drove the wheels off of that thing for many years. Well, yeah. But that car that the man gave me that I won that national championship in was Mike Galt's old GRT car that he won for winning that championship. Yeah. Well, I meant just <laughs> that your was that car. I meant just your Toyota, your pickup truck or whatever yeah. that you drive well, down the road. Uh, no, no, that wasn't it. I got I don't you. Know, anyway, I don't which one I might have been in that day, but anyway, yeah, I don't know, but uh, I've, I've had several of them. I'm sure. We all we all have. They don't last ten years like they should, like Merle Haggard said. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, well, yeah, Hot Rod. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll let you go tonight. But man, I appreciate you uh, doing this and being a part of this podcast for us. And I really do think a lot of people are going to enjoy hearing you tonight. Okay. Well, like I say, thank you very much. And uh, we, I'm sure there's more I can round up and. Tales I can tell. Uh, oh yeah, we'll do it again sometime. Oh, if we yeah. ever got we'll, a question we'll, about something, we'll just call you. Yeah, we'll have you back on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that'll we'll, work. We'll get you on when you make your uh, big announcement when you coming back. Okay, okay. When the big news comes out. Yes, sir. When we go for that six, that six decade. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. That'll be a, that'll be a must. All right. So. We'll do it. Well, Hot Rod, we appreciate it. Another show of the Forward Bike Podcast is in the books for this week. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong, for Adam Logan. Thank you to Hot Rod Lamance for being on this week, and we'll see you next week.